In a medical facility somewhere in Hutton Space, a commander is feeling a little perturbed. When a day that you happen to know is Thursday starts off sounding like Sunday, there's something seriously wrong somewhere. He muttered to himself. It had been 14 days. 14 days of hearing the squeak from the wheel of the catering trolley as it passed his door. 14 days of the hatch opening and a gloved hand passing a covered tray of mystery food through. 14 days of being on my own. I'm bored. He continued. Today, on the last day of his isolation, he had the enormous feeling that something had gone dreadfully awry. He glanced at his wrist, then at the wall. He was sure it was half past eight, but it was, as of yet, not a sound from the small radio next to his bed. As if on cue, the airlock door opened, and the whoosh of marginally less stale air passed him as he stood. Hello? He called. It's me. I'm out of isolation now. There was silence in return. The corridor outside was empty and the only sign of life was a light at the nurse's station. Can I come out? Where is everybody? Sorry, mate. I wouldn't bother. We're all in lockdown now. Might as well go back in. Came the voice of an orderly from behind the desk, face obscured by the light. As he sat back down on the bed... The lone, single noise that gave him a little reassurance that at least something in the galaxy was as it ever was came from the radio. Our mics are live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hutton Orbital Live. Um, hang on. Norma, what on earth are you doing? Sorry, uh, just trying to find somewhere for my new pot plants. Where on earth did you find that monstrosity? Well, there was this meteor storm. Lots of green flashing lights in the sky. And then I found it just lying on the ground. Looking poorly, so I rescued it. Been feeding it back to health again. What have you been feeding it? It looks terrifying. Sausages, mostly. Don't do that, Lou. You'll upset Audrey. Audrey? Well, I had to give him a name. He's so cute. In an ugly and toothy kind of way. Ah! It's got me finger! I did warn you. Naughty Audrey. That isn't a sausage. Now put Lou down. Norma, why don't you take it through to the green room? There's lots of lovely people to eat in there. Don't you mean meat? Well, some of them qualify as meat, I suppose. Oh, OK then. Audrey, you behave. No chewing on the guests. And uh, on, on that note, it's uh, time for us to get on with the headlines. It's Penguin's Revenge, as he's doing the unwrapping for once. Who's been helping with station repairs? Rat rescue required record readily reached recently.
It's one for all, and all for one in Hanky's clone army. Cannon haven't yet got a Scooby. We don't know how it's really done, and we're sticking to it. This is the bit where you go get a drink, I'm guessing. Your community events. The very definition of shenanigans. First this evening, news has come in from the carrier MPV Everest that refuelling operations to Casey Station on New Antarctica have been completed. Accompanied by Mission Leader Commander Dog's Breath, as well as representatives from both the Fuel Rats and Cannon Interstellar, the specially adapted carrier has offloaded cargo and scientific teams, as well as enough fuel to power the station for at least another year. The mission hasn't gone without some concerning close encounters of the native animal life kind, with a series of attempted thefts of valuable fuel rat and cannon equipment attributed to what can only be described as a particularly curious penguin. Having met the team when they landed, this penguin magpied his way into their equipment locker and began hoarding anything that looked even remotely shiny, including tools, mugs, water bottles and the avian cheese. At least someone likes it, and of course the leftover Thargoid resin in the bottom of one of Cannon's canisters. The onboard Fuel Rat team completed their mission, having deployed a security team to keep the mischievous flightless kleptomaniacs at bay, and all 700,000 tonnes of fuel were delivered without further incident. With a solar storm predicted, the Everest had to beat a hasty retreat without saying goodbye to the science team that were offloaded with the cargo, returning back to Hutton Space ready for speed reloading and a second mission to the next Arctic research base. There are, however, reports of strange noises coming from within the depths of the ship, and tales of things going mysteriously missing, so they may have a stowaway. The most recent Thargoid invasion was repelled, and repairs were made quickly. Much, much quicker than ever before. It is because the Thargoids have gone soft, and... are only delivering love taps instead of deadly blows. It has been said that it's not because the Thargoids are weaker, but because we're strong. We're better at repairing. And that this is due to the use of fleet carriers and their ability to carry enormous quantities of materials and a seemingly infinite number of ships. Have you noticed that no matter how many ships land on a fleet carrier, with a little bit of work, it's still possible to store more of them? This is puzzling and we've been investigating how this all works we track down an individual who runs what he calls a fleet carrier but quite frankly we're not convinced surely a fleet carrier should be more than two and a half meters tall should not have the word police on the front and a blue light on top the captain who doesn't look much like a medical practitioner to us Surely that scarf could harbour any number of germs, and I'm not accepting jelly babies from anyone not inside my support bubble, thank you very much. Does nevertheless have a soothing voice. Once that's often heard around midnight, he says. He explained that his vehicle must 
be a fleet carrier. There's infinite storage capacity, so it's bigger on the inside. People who go on board often end up unexpectedly on the far side of the galaxy, and week after week, it runs into the same deadly enemies, creatures housed in a metal shell that attack without warning, crying, incinerate, as they set fire to stations. We did. He did apologize for once a long time ago, materializing inside the showroom area of Hutton Orbital and depositing an anaconda that we've never been able to get rid of, but promised to come back one day and dismantle it with my Sonic. Whatever that means. The Fuel Rats, those crazy, lovely, magnificent group of commanders that give up their time and credits for no benefit other than to help out their fellow pilots, regardless if they're a new player caught out by an unfamiliar galaxy, if they're an experienced pilot who just wanted to see what happened when they used Jumponium to get to a distant star, or even if they've been a little worse for wear and gone for a lie down for a few hours whilst leaving their sh** to sail right past their destination and return to their cockpit to find their ship a long, long way from any scoopable star. No idea of the, of the direction of the nearest fueling station and no container to get fuel in even if they made it. Well, those fuel rats have been baking a cake with an extraordinary number of candles. They're celebrating reaching their 100,000th rescue and for people who use base 10 to count, that could be seen as a significant number. Their 100,000th customer was Commander Furtz Newcomb who wins 20 tonnes of fuel, a canteen of cutlery and 15 minutes to dash around their local commodity market and take away everything they can fit in their trolley. The rescuers, and it's to them that we tip our hats, were Commander Tubbleflip and Commander Julius Set, aided in dispatch by Commander Delrin. You will probably have seen the competition that was run by the Fuel Rats to design a poster to celebrate this milestone and we'll be showing you a vidcast of the entries later in the show. We hope that the Fuel Rats may continue their chari charitable work for a long time and if you need big breasts to blow out your candles, Norma has volunteered. Cloning is outlawed in many parts of the galaxy, despite the medical risks associated with reduced lifespans for clones having been mainly mitigated by the swift application of performance enhancers, nanomeds and anti-agiatic drugs. It's considered a highly unsafe practice. Needless to say, with the right amount of cash and the right contacts, anything's possible, as can be seen with the ongoing replication of one of King Hanky of Colonia the ethical side of the equation is to whether you want tens or even hundreds of facsimile copies of you running around the galaxy. Accused of obtaining a loitering finding one particular system, good luck proving that it was clone number three. He's got your fingerprints, your DNA, your iris scan, and in fact, barring any industrial accidents or dodgy barnet, it is you in every way possible. With the latest in neuroscience, he may well have your accent, your memories, and all your little personal foibles. He could insult you to your face, and you take the blame. He could insinuate himself into your household and leave the toilet seat up, and you'd be the subject of scorn. That situation where your dodgy clone and you, and you are in the same location at the same time, and both pointing at the other, saying, 
but he's the imposter. Yet another danger of sticking yourself in the station photocopier and hoping for the best. King Hanky, though, took it one stage further, when on one furtive foray into a bounty hunting expedition, accompanied by Hutton truckers, had a close encounter of the clones go bad kind. Yes, there was another Hanky in system, not safely tucked aboard the megaship where all the other ones are, but flying a starship, and what's more, wanted, and illegally seizing goods from other vessels. King Hanky, what we assume is the real one, though we're not sure now, appealed to Chucker's better nature and asked them not eat out the usual justice that is fixed into the state, but in confusion as to who the real Hanky was, they opted to cash in on the bounty and ask questions later. The clone was duly picked up by a passing security patrol and is being taken to a local detention centre where it will be processed, tried for crimes against Hutton and then incarcerated until such time as he can pay his bills. Until such time as it is possible to distinguish between the clones, this one has been fitted with a digital tattoo containing his own criminal record. If you see a hanky acting suspiciously in your vicinity, ask him to show a little bit of ankle to reassure yourself that you are not about to become a victim of the clone roster hanky imposter. You know where your clone is at 5am? If the answer is dirty dancing and listening to pounding techno music, it will be the least of your worries. As the Marlinists would say, Theta 7, Commander, Theta 7. Talking of Theta 7, the latest galactic who and why and where done it has been unleashed on the galaxy with the discovery today of a mysterious SOS signal from deep space, appealing for any ships in the area to come to the rescue of one serene harbour. As is usually the case, the boffins at Cannon Intercellar have donned their tinfoil hats, put down the tin of biscuits, and loaded up the Cannon Mystery Machine with ascots and Scooby Snacks and headed out to get to the bottom of everything. A number of commanders began the search, said to be in a volume of space four Draxors in size. Uh, a Draxor is defined as a sphere 50 light years in radius from a single point in space, and named in honour of one Commander Draxor, who, in one of her earliest missions, decided it was a cunning plan to deliver one Hutton mug to every station within 50 light years of Hutton, a precursor to the highly successful Hot Mess mission to mug every single station. Since that data, Draxor has entered the Galactic Dictionary as a 50 light year sphere. However, we digress. With a volume of four whole Draxors to search, that's 80 light years from the starting point, hundreds of commanders set forth to come to the aid of the Serene Harbour. This is where it goes all a little bit Scooby-Doo. Is the message legit? Is there someone else hiding under the mask? What does it have to do with NMLA? And as a famous movie character once said, what's in the box? The official Galnet News, no, not the Cowlet News Digest, which is always on point, but the other one, has been struggling to keep pace with galactic message boards, which are rife with both scans, logs, and tinfoil conspiracy theories as to what the blazes is going on. But as far as we can tell, something bad has happened to someone bad in a bad place. And they were doing bad things, but the bad people they were doing bad things to turned bad when subjected to bad things, and the whole situation went wrong. We'll leave it to the Galnet News Digest to make head 
or possibly tail out of what's going on. But in the meantime, here's the next article. Linking to the last article and the forthcoming Galnet News Digest together nicely, there has been speculation in recent weeks about physics. More importantly, the physics of orbitals. Commander Fosdyke, celebrity photographer and investigator, has found himself at the heart of a brouhaha this week after his latest series of photographs of sleeping celebrities. We won't ask why he's papping people in their sleep, as it's a little creepy. Appear to show commanders and their companions aboard ships and stations accompanied by objects that aren't floating around. Speculation as to how the blanket state is put have ranged from magnets to Velcro and even some strange ceiling contraption uh, with a fan that blows you when you're in bed. What we are more concerned with is how the steaming hot cup of beverage in a Hutton-style mug actually works. Do Hutton mugs and the frame shift effects actually keep your drink within their boundaries as well as keeping them warm? Is the secret to anti-gravity hidden at the bottom of the scrap-made mug? How do they work when you tip them in zero G? Do you need a straw or a sippy cup lid? Do you have to suck the contents out? We leave all of that to Commander Wotherspoon and instead focus on the Fosdyke. What was he doing in that bedroom? Is the photo a cunning manipulation of a planet-side original, substituting the galactic view out of the window in place of the original vista over rolling countryside? Where are his subjects getting their Hutton mugger likes from? From what we can tell from the reaction on our sister station, Wave Radio, it could all be a storm in a mug. But until we get the licensed Odyssey excursions to orbiting platforms, we won't be able to fully investigate what the blazes is going on. More later. Well, a wise man once said, you can't please all of the people all of the time. And to be fair, who'd want to? There are a large number of people I'd much rather annoy than please, but I digress. Being truckers and faithful followers of a dog of ill repute, we are a generous and joyful bunch, in our own selfish and grumpy kind of way, and sometimes we do manage to please all of the people, for a time. For the explorers, we're pretty much steady across the board. There are a few issues as always, but nothing all hands on deck. So you can be happy that you're free to do what you enjoy the most, buggering about in the black, finding stuff that nobody cares about. For the miners, yes, ers, not minors, this is not a PG broadcast, and anyway, they should be in bed. They have to get up early to clean those frameshift drives, okay? Right, for the miners, you can be happy that we're mostly in boom, so you can do what you enjoy the most and get the maximum rewards from our flourishing markets for your spoils. For the traders, you can be happy that not only are we in boom, but we're pending an outbreak in Epsilon Indy. And we all know how much you love exploiting that market. And finally, for the combat pilots, we have civil unrest in Barnard Star. Why should that make you happy? Well, guess what the best way to stop civil unrest is? A demonstration that crime will not go unpunished. Yes, bounties. Get to Barnard Star and punish those pirates, smash those smugglers, nail those ne'er-do-wells, and generally crunch criminals. Oh, and uh, Hanky says everything's fine in Colonia too. Over to Norma. The Pilots' Federation is not the only place to look for community activities. 
Our community itself is full of adventures whose rewards, unlike one of Flossy's CGs, may not be huge, may not be a new module for your ship or millions of credits, but the emotional rewards can be far greater. Real PWP events to bring you closer to your fellow truckers, sometimes close enough to have to remind them of social distancing rules, and that for some, the wearing of masks is not just about hygiene. So here are details of events we know about. The Elite Races have a busy weekend planned with separate events on Saturday and Sunday. As you might have seen and heard in the Pirates Federation broadcasts before we came on air, on Saturday 30th of January, the Elite Races have an SRV event, Round 7 of the Scarab Mastery Championship, starting at 1800 UTC in the Delcar system. You can join their Discord at bit.ly Elite Races Discord for details. But to whet your appetite, we can tell you that there will be hill climbs, canyon jumps and downhill events. They also have a ship racing core event coming up this weekend on the 31st of January, 1800 UTC, at Fisher Terminal in Okinawa, racing around the station superstructure. Details are in their Discord channel, bit.ly, Elite Racers Discord, and also see the Fisher Terminal tab in the sheet at bit.ly EDC sheet for the layout and walkthrough. Last week we covered the early news of Eris Maidlung's indecision and abdication of responsibility regarding the route for his fleet carrier FTP Ishahan where he's asked everyone else to respond to a poll to decide every week or so in what direction the fleet carrier should travel. The voyage starts on February the 5th and there's an event on our Facebook page for it. Plus there's a post where the poll is taking place and there are some pretty graphics for everyone to look at and wonder what the heck they mean. And the quick way to get there is bit.ly help Eros. He's promised us updates as the voyage progresses, assuming that they actually make some progress, and the votes aren't all 52-48. Eros says treaty orders are up, and if people are planning to come along, it's all aboard the crazy thing. The mass hut and run event was held on Saturday, and the organiser, Commander Bam, has sent us this report with all of the facts filtered through the bottom of a bottle of Centauri Mega Gin. At a chosen hour in unchosen systems, commanders started to gather their goal to get to Hutton as fast as humanly possible. Each commander had made a calculated decision based on galactic time, orbital velocities, mass, boost, speeds... No, hang on, that's rubbish, they guessed, and picked a system at random to start their speedrun to Hutton Orbital. For one commander that I won't mention by name, just getting within jump range of Alpha Centauri proved to be a problem. The fuel rods may have been required, but he clicked the self-destruct button instead of the fuel of the rat signal by mistake. I'm not sure Commander Babster had his stream running at this point. A fleet carrier was in place with several commanders ready to act as wing beacons to drag our races out of supercruise and, as they departed their 
chosen starting systems, wings were formed, beacons fired up and navlocks engaged. The race was underway. What followed was nail-biting, one hour twenty-ish minutes of immature banter, mainly based around booze, double entendres, politics and animal farm. No, not that version. Oh, okay, it was. Skip forward a bit and our first survivals faced the nightmare of docking permission denied, courtesy of Red Planet Taxis. I mean, who the hell takes a taxi to Houghton? Everyone in the galaxy knows noxy cabs are cheaper and faster, even if you do have to wipe down the cabin before you sit down. A plan was formed by the pilots present to reserve landing pads and then turn down the docking offer seconds before the next racer exited supercruise in an attempt to keep the landing pads free. Soon a steady stream of commanders were dropping out of supercruise and making a dash for the landing pad hoping to be faster than the previous pilot, then making a complete pig's ear of aligning with the pad and de- deploying landing gear, this is the Hutton way. There may or may not have been shenanigans involving non-consensual contact, beam lasers and missiles that accidentally caused Dead Meat GF Sidewinder to recycle itself, and Commander Cully 388 may have had to run like a big girl's blouse due to hull integrity. A huge 07 to Amelia for doing two runs after not being totally satisfied with the first attempt. Most people find the second time takes longer to arrive, but this was not the case for our Amelia. By the end of the evening, the standing record time had been smashed by a whole second by Commander Hardy, reclaiming his record time from Commander Overlight putting the fastest official time to Hutton Orbital at 1 hour 22 minutes 20 seconds, a whole 11 seconds faster than Brett Riverboat, who held the record for almost an entire year. A big thank you to Commanders Hardy, Jintosh, Janix, Cully 88, Deadmeat GF, Baker, Amelia, Sox, Monty, Rincewind, Overlight, Vector 833, Immortan Joe and Janix for taking part and making the Hutton Run a PWP activity. And that's all the news we have this week about community led events. Please let us know if you are organising one or even if you if just see one popping up maybe on Discord or the forums so we can reach as many commanders as possible and spread the word. And we're back in the studio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Hutton Orbit Live. Um, we are joined in the studio by well, a whole a whole room full of commanders this evening. Um, obviously, this evening we have back on the decks uh, Norman, also known as Commander Ventura. Good evening, DJ Normski. Hello. How are we doing? He's, he's waving. He's waving. And he's staying well away from uh, from Audrey. Uh, we we have the Harry Ballsack, Commander Palantir. Good evening. And thank you very much for covering last week. That's all right. While while I was uh, otherwise otherwise engaged in important activities like yes, trying to get get my son rescued from the NHS and uh, not catch horrible plague and all sorts of things. Oh. But uh, and and you've you've had a you've had a grand week. Yes, yeah, been very nice, quiet. Haven't been anywhere, of course, but now it's it's been nice. We've 
<laughs> you haven't been anywhere of course, yeah. like the whole rest of the last year. <laughs> yes. Yes, quite. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of trying to get a refund on this calendar. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what have you written on last year's calendar? Um, I can't Not read much. the first word, but the second one is all. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely mug all, yes. Something like that. Oh, those are yeah. Not the same number of letters, but oh, I, I, all right, I'll take your word for it. Well, yes, for words that sound a bit like... Yes, uh, we do have an apology to make, by the way, uh, due to a, <clears throat> a minor cock-up with the script. I know you did put it in the chat as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, it is not the FTP is is for Han. Though that's a nice it's game FT- of blank. <laughs> FTM, as in for the mug, not for the pug. No, I don't know how. How the heck did I type FTP instead of FTM? Oh, so I have no idea. Throwback to your your previous techie days well, or something. I don't know. Maybe I copied and pasted it for the I'm going to try and find out. See if Eros got it wrong somewhere, and I can blame him. Oh, right. Well, Lord Cog says maybe it's for the pickles instead. Mmm, pickles. Mmm, yes. Um, <clears throat> oh, sounds like an idea for another T-shirt for you, anyway. And, yeah, well, it anyway, would be. Uh, so sitting comfortably, comfortably to one side uh, of you and well away from the voracious plant that we've now put in the green room, it's Amelia. Hello. Hello. And, and you spent your weekend viciously, viciously ejecting people out of airlocks. <laughs> Uh, not, no comment. Not because you, you, you've taken on a role as a forum moderator or anything like that. Me? Forum moderator? Oh, I yeah, wouldn't... No, it must be a game <laughs> you were playing. It's... I wouldn't. I would not take on that much responsibility. No, no. We, we don't let you run around with anything sharp or dangerous or big levers for airlocks, do we? No, it's best not no. to, really. No, but... And, uh, and your week... My week's been, yeah, it's good. Gaming, so, all gaming, all the time, day in, day out. Nice and relaxing, anyway. Yeah. Busy doing nothing, working the whole day through. Isn't that the, the, lyric, to the lyric to the song? Um, I, I don't know what song yeah. you mean. <laughs> Trying to find <laughs> lots of things not things to do. Not to do. We're busy, busy going, going nowhere. Where isn't, isn't it just, just a, a crime? No, a crime. Like to be yeah, unlucky. Like happy, but we never do we have never the time. <laughs> There you go. Kiss Me Kate. Music to my ears. From Kiss Me Kate. It could be, or Connecticut Yankee and the Court of King Arthur. Oh, yeah, that one. Bustle, bustle. (laughs) Yes, as sung by Bing Crosby, wasn't it? Um, Crikey, we're showing our age a little bit here, but but somebody who's definitely (laughs) not showing their age is the Apology Officer. (laughs) Hello, the Apology Officer. (laughs) I think you'll find I am showing my age. (laughs) Oh, I I, I just thought those were laughter lines. Oh, no, I'm ancient. Uh, (laughs) But uh, talking of talking of ancient, we, we we're, we're mm. celebrating a little bit this week. It's Are it's we? a many birthday kind of week. Okay. So we've got we've got some happy birthdays. I thought maybe you know you can apologise for you know people getting a year old without having done anything, done anything in the last year. But yeah. um, do you know any of the birthdays off the top of your head, or am I putting you horribly on the spot here? Well, you're doing both, but uh, I do know one of them. One of them is a uh, dead meat GF or loose knockers. Good who, is, who I believe is 51. Well, um, yeah, it feels like 56 after the yes, long, think, drawn out year we've I had. think you should get a second year of being 50 first. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody, we just, we just completely write off the last year. We can only apologise that your 51st year hasn't been everything you wanted and more. <laughs> happy oh, birthday! It started well. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday. It started really well with a great big party up at your place, didn't it? It did, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's all unbelievable that was... In the same year, isn't it, really? Considering mm. what we've not been doing for the rest of it. 
And um, then you you are sharing your birthday. I mean, it's terrible having to share, isn't it? But you're sharing your birthday with another well-known Hutton trucker. Yeah, it's sharing with truckers is 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 not not a not a chore. No, not at all. Not at all. With with Cully, Commander Indeed. Cully. Yes. Yep. Many happy returns. Um, oh, don't say that. I don't think he's listening. Well, you have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Anyway, um, yes, happy happy birthday to you, happy birthday to Carly. But I think I think we've got one one more. That was yesterday's birthday, but there's one more this week that we know of. Does anybody want to admit to it yet? It's me, and it's, it's tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> because we don't have a show tomorrow. We're going to say happy birthday to Commander Palantir as well for tomorrow. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Obviously, happy as, birthday! As, happy birthday! I, I, I tried full of. Are you fifty? I tried to get you a. Are quiet. you fifty-one as well? <laughs> I wish. No, no. I'm making the most. This year is going to be really good. I'm going to make the absolute most of this because after this year, I have to click on a different age range when I'm put it, filling in any web forms. <laughs> this is your year, Sean. 2021 is your year. Yeah. Now, I will, uh, as of tomorrow, I will be 64. So, and so you can sing about it. 64. Mm-hmm. More, yeah. yeah, more, more singing. I, and, and, I, as, as, I'm as always feeding. As a household full of master bakers, I'm yes. assuming you're, you're going to have lots of lots of master baking going on, and um, and try not to set fire to the ceiling with the candles. It's a bit personal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's what I, I made, very made a loaf today, so I can have bacon on that one. Bacon for breakfast, uh, and uh, my lovely uh, baking wife said she's not going to make the cake tomorrow. We're just going to spend the day doing nothing together, and then uh, at the weekend she'll make make the cake, and then I get to share. Birthday again with with uh, relatives. Is she going to let you lick the spoon? You can't have birthday yes. cake without licking the spoon. Yes, I, I don't know what's going to be on it, but yes, I'm definitely allowed to lick it. Yeah, and obviously, yes, uh, with substituting sort of one candle for every ten or something like that, so we don't set fire to the, the house or set off the smoke alarms and that kind of thing. I'd have to use LEDs or something. We get seen from Did space. You, yeah, because if I if I light all the candles, I have the police come round thinking I'm growing marijuana. <laughs> yes, <laughs> your house is glowing unusually brightly, sir. <laughs> well, it, it, it is it is my manyth birthday. Well, look, happy birthday to what well, all of you, to everybody for tomorrow and yesterday and all sorts, and of course to any Hutton truckers that haven't told us it's their birthday, but we should celebrate with them anyway. Uh, talking of things that can't be seen from space or in space, we have had an update just now that the uh, SN9, the, the latest rocket launch from Elon Musk and SpaceX, got scrubbed just a minute ago, just a couple of minutes ago. Why, so that's one thing you won't be seeing from space yet. It, they, they decided not to launch it today because the FAA decided it was a new craft, not a recycled one they'd used before. So the FAA put the kibosh on it and said, no, you can't launch today nah, 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 at SpaceX, which is a bit rubbish. Hmm. A lot but, of rubbish. Yeah. So there's much there's much sulking and snarking going on at the moment by lots of people over at SpaceX that the FAA decided they weren't allowed to launch today. But, you know, safety first. I'm sure there was a good reason. But uh, we will be looking forward to that when it does come up. It's um, the next test launcher, that one that came down sort of sideways and then yeah, nearly landed, but sort of explosively landed last time. You know the one. The one we're going to be sending to Mars, apparently. And we're also <laughs> two weeks away, talking of Mars, two weeks away from the latest lander. NASA lander landing on Mars. So in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully we'll have um, lots three of weeks. news about that that happening. Two two weeks, three weeks, three weeks, twenty one days now. Uh, perseverance. There we go. <laughs> three three weeks away, and of course, yes, Commander Chicks has joined us in the studio as well. 
Good evening. Good, good evening, Commander Chicks. How is your exploration going? Are you still exploring? No, no, I'm killing bad guys in Barnard Star. Oh, you've gone pew-pew. Yes, I've, uh, very conveniently, um, I can part my fleet carrier within half a light second of a hazardous, so... Well, that's all right. Somebody well, Barnard commented Star's a bit of a... it was like fishing from your back deck. Yeah, well, a bit, a bit of a funny one, because obviously, uh, did me GF say, obviously you gave us some instructions earlier about it, it's all a bit chilled and you can go blow things up in Barnard Star. Yeah. Now, doing the work in Barnard Star is going to have absolutely no effect on the influence at the moment, is it? Um, very little, because there's everyone else is in uh, conflict states of varying yep. types, elections, elections wars, yep. etc. Yeah, they've all picked a fight with each other. So, what, but what we're trying to do is get over the the sort of the unrest kind of lockdowny, you know, police state that's turned up in Barnard Star at the moment. Yes. We're trying to clear that state. We don't, we're not worried too much about the influence at the moment. No, you probably won't see any major gains. But if we don't clear the civil unrest, then when the wars end will be the one that takes the hit, which could be unpleasant. Yes, not good. But you know, thanks to all the commanders out there at Barnard Star who are helping. Obviously, Chicks is, I think, uh, is it Rincewind's been out there as well? He has, yeah. And, and a few others working hard to make sure we don't end up with problems in Barnard Star. Um, that's, then... a, that's a lost cause. We always have problems in Barnard Star, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> They're stopping a particular type of problem. Segwaying beautifully from that link over to over to Flossie, Barnard Star is the home of a another radio broadcast, isn't it? A, a, a documentary broadcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it's uh, the Barnard Star Dockers. And the latest episode of Beyond Dockers, I think it's is it three episode three? Yes, I think so. Just Has been now released. been released, and, and you're in it. Uh, yes. <laughs> Have you got top billing yet? I mean, are you put at the top of the poster? Well, I, I usually have a, a fairly uh, big part in it. I was going to say you have sizable parts. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that is not a thing to say when you're talking about dockers, is it? You know. <laughs> no, I, thought you, I thought you were the poster girl, Flossie. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so wearing your negligee and sort of lounging around on the front front cover of the, the poster somewhere, yes. <laughs> That would be scary. <laughs> Stars of the... Well, it's not silver screen they had over Barnard Star. It's sort of a slightly smudged ochre coloured, I think. Um, but yeah, so uh, how might one find, first person to, to answer the question wins no prize at all, how might one find Barnard Star Dockers, Beyond Dockers, episode three, on the jolly old internet? YouTube. BS. Dot, uh, BS News. Oh, I can't remember the exact thing now. BS. News Dockers. Is it bs-dockers.com? I believe it is. But there whenever, yes, whenever yes. I click on that link in my signature on the forums, it misses off the first bit and it gets <laughs> oh, an unknown page. All right. Well, it, yes, it is bs, as in <clears throat> hyphen, dockers.com. Yeah. Ah, that's as the one. Commander that's Palantir the one. has, has put yeah. into the chat. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, it, it is funny. It's very rude. If you're easily offended, please don't listen to it. And if you aren't easily offended, just get ready to laugh a bit. And yeah, it's uh, a wonderful production uh, written by Mr. Shouty with, with help from. Uh, does LCU? LCU. Yeah. LCU yes. helps write and as glued together. Oh, from and, the and Mia. And Mia. Oh, and, oh, and uh, no, that's one. I'm not responsible. No. I'm offended and, um, for this one. Rob is in it as well. Yeah. Um, and as glued together by the, the maestro himself, Commander Psycho Cow, with his scissors and his sticky tape. And it's really weird listening to the edited version because uh, 
only sent out the script with our parts in, as it were. Um, and I find yeah. I'm actually in the first I'm in the first two scenes in two different characters, which is. I know Robbie's part got Robbie's part got changed to two parts, <laughs> and his voice changed for the second bit. Well, it would do if they would change his voice. It didn't get that done in the NHS. You couldn't work out what was going on at first. <laughs> anyway, so yes, if you if you like a laugh and you've you've got nothing to do during lockdown, go go and listen to it. It's full of lots of people you'll recognise, and it's it's um, very rude. Um, other than that, what uh, Commander Chicks? Yes, you're you're a, a gentleman who has his finger on the pulse of the goings on of the galaxy. Who told you that? Well, no, I'm just picking on you. Um, okay. Anyway, there was there was a new mystery revealed today by the Pilots' Federation. Mm, okay, a signal a signal came out saying help, help. Um, yes, please send help. And then um, Cannon Interstellar sent, sent hundreds of commanders off to scour, um, you know, Draxors, four Draxors of space. I think it's four Draxors. It's about four times the volume, isn't it, of Draxors original thing, uh, and found a base and there are messages and all sorts of stuff. We're not going to put spoilers as to the details in here. We'll leave that up to the Galnet News Digest. Suffice to say, there are lots of logs and things happened, and it, it's all to do with news you've been watching recently, I think. NMLA stuff, you know. Does anyone know what that stands so. for? <laughs> yeah, I have no... Anyway, whether well, I, was, I was hoping... NMLA... NMLA Right. No, no, not that. <laughs> no, no, not, not no. that. No, no. Um, anyway, yeah, go, go and find the logs. There's lots of details over on Canon Interstellar's Discord page, and I, I think probably on their um, their website as well. Or you can go and, and read Galnet News from your cockpit and start the mystery for yourself if you're interested. But it, it does look interesting. We don't know whether it's the start or the end or the middle bit of the story, but um, there are things being revealed at the moment. And no, it's not Robbie's parts. Okay, I, we, we had a little bit of an update on our very good friend Commander Kinrain this week, released as authorised by Ali. Does anybody have at their fingertips the, the official published update? What, you mean the one on Gownet? Uh, no, about Baz. Oh, Baz, sorry. Beg your pardon. No, no, the, 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 the Baz one. Ba yes, yes, I do, as soon as I scroll to the top of this page. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I glued it together from the notes provided by Ali, but I don't suppose you fancy doing a sort of radio update for those that may not have bought it. Well, on, while, he's, on... while he's scrolling, can I just ask Mia to apologise for my um, not impression of Baz earlier? <laughs> I thought that was Baz. <laughs> that wasn't Baz. <laughs> no, jeez. Well, all, all we said in the briefing was uh, Baz keeps claiming he's got a thick accent from the Shire. Um, and we don't mean the Hobbit-style Shire. I, I, I believe he means the Oxford Shire. And um, we couldn't work out what that was. And uh, we haven't spoken for so long that we just had to make it up as we went along. So, yeah. We we really should have taken a line each for Baz and just attempted the accent in many different ways. <laughs> then we could have shared the blame. Well, Ali, I think, is, is currently watching or listening, maybe, to the stream, or was... May have gone away now to hide. Um, <laughs> but if, Ali, if you're still there, tell us how close we were. Right. Um, so go on and then. Give us give us our update. Do you want tip verbatim or? You are, or well, I, in, unless there's anything in there which is too. Um, no, there's nothing in there too controversial. Take no, take it away. Okay. Um, as you know, 
you may or may not know, our very good friend Baz Floyd, our special effect liaison and owner of the Baz's Bunter Bus, had a little bit of trouble. Uh, end of last year, he got, as you might say, interdicted by real life. He got brought low by a bad case of falling down and going bump. Uh, unfortunately, brought on by a stroke. Uh, hard points and thrusters on one side compromised, so he kept going round in circles. Comms down, scanners on the blink. He got saved by his son and packed off to the medical wing, and he's been in recovery and rehab ever since, getting much support from Ali and his family and the doctors and nurses and specialists, as well, of course, as special effect. Now, the uh, He didn't have an AFMU, unfortunately, so he's had to do a lot of um, reboot repair. Uh, he can get round now with a bit of super cruise assist, which is, they call it a walking stick, but we don't. And he's got daily exercise and attending, attempting to bring everything back online, but it is going to take a very long time. And we've, we've sent him all sorts of messages and videos and everything, try and keep his uh, spirits up by basically taking the mickey out of him as much as we possibly can do. Um, and the, as we might call it, sort of adding insult to injury or injury to injury, um, Baz is in hospital getting better. And what does he get? Yes, he gets another tick on the disaster bingo card, COVID. Uh, luckily, uh, he managed to uh, ride through that not too badly. Uh, I think in, in no small uh, matter, his his fitness has really helped him, I think. Um, and he was back in isolation for 14 days. Um, and basically, he didn't have any symptoms and... Uh, doesn't seem to have suffered any ill effects. One of the very lucky people with COVID. So his, his isolation completed a couple of days ago and he's now freed up again, um, which means he's back where he was doing the reboot repair. But at least he can go out every so often. He hasn't just got to peer at people through a very small window. Now, we're hoping that he might be released around the end of February, at which point Alison will be looking after him because she's been absolutely brilliant um, uh, we can't praise her enough. Um, and basically, she's just going to keep kicking him till he gets up. So it's going to—it's still going to take a long time. Um, he's still got some bits not working, and his, some bits work better than others. Um, and as as this says, he has heart points still malfunctioning, and sensors on one side have the beeps and sweeps, but not the creeps. Um, um, we're, we are ever so glad that he is getting better, that COVID didn't treat him any worse than locking him away for 14 days. And we just hope that we see him up and about and out very, very soon. Yes. Yay for Baz and, and boo for COVID and yay for, well, not yay for isolation, boo for isolation, but yay, yay that he's uh, on the mend. Everybody was a bit worried about him, but uh, Ali's been giving us updates. Didn't want to say anything in public until we'd had some better news, um, which we've had, is that he's he's out and about and, uh, yeah. No, lo no longer under lockdown, or, or no worse lockdown than the rest of us are. Apart from Funky Abigail, who appears not to be under lockdown at all because Funky Abigail's down under. And they dealt with it properly and didn't give everybody COVID. So, uh, moving along from that one, thank you very much for bringing us up to date with that. Uh, CQC Saturday. Yep, that's um, one that uh, should have been in uh, Norma's news, but um, the, the event was created in Facebook a bit late on, so... We didn't actually get it. So it's that the regular 
so yeah saturday, saturday if you've got nothing else to do on any platform get together with some friends go to cqc blow things up probably meeting i don't know some point in the evening on saturday feel free to use the team speak um hop in there if you're the first one in don't shout what's going on because you've just volunteered to be in charge but basically if anybody turns up saying hey what we're doing about cqc you say would you like a game and then you go and do cqc that's as hard as it gets and it starts at uh, 2100 utc Yes. Before I move to the the last bit, is there anything else anybody would like to add or anything I've terribly forgotten before we um, move on to the rest of the show? No? No, No, I think that's enough. (laughs) Hasn't eaten everybody. Okay. um, Well, coming up shortly, we've got the double act of Wotherspoon and Beetlejude. Actually, no, I think it's just Wotherspoon this week. The most dedicated seekers after truth since Edward Woodward and Leonard Bernstein as they day delve. Oh, yes. Well, they're not afraid to delve. But first, uh, we received the bad news this week that uh, Mira Ferland, the voice of Chase from the HCS voice packs, and obviously as Delenn from Babylon 5, had sadly passed away. There have been many, many wonderful tributes to her from her co-star, colleagues and and friends, um, and we can only echo every single one of them. Babylon 5 creator J. Michael Straczynski said, It is a night of great sadness for our friend and comrade had gone down the road where we cannot reach her. But as with all things, we will catch up with her in time, and I believe she will have many stories to tell us and many new roles to share with the universe. She was a wonderful, talented lady, kind, funny, and immensely loved by everybody she met. So our thoughts uh, go out to her family and friends. And in a fitting tribute, we've got a short little monologue from some of the work she did for her part in the Elite Dangerous Universe, courtesy of her friends at HCS. Above the sky, further and beyond the glow of the moon, out there lies your destiny. We shall visit many strange worlds and witness the wonders of our galaxy. Our course is set. Steady and true we will sail through the coldest, blackest, and deepest ocean of them all. News Digest, 28th of January, 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, a matter of some gravity. There's been some speculation among Pilots Federation members about what it might actually be like when we can get up and walk about. Perhaps sit and chat, eat, drink in different environments. One of the most important factors affecting this experience will be gravity. So let's think about what that'll be like. Planetary surfaces, and naturally enough planetary outposts and planetary settlements, have gravity. It'll vary quite a bit from 0.04g all the way up to 10.77g, perhaps even more. If you weigh a fairly standard 80 kilograms, that's 175 pounds on Earth, then on a 
0.04g planet, you'll weigh 3.2 kilograms, which is 7 pounds. The biggest risk here is that you can jump really, really high, and then you will fall from a great height. And because momentum is unaffected by gravity, when you hit the ground very hard and very fast, bits of you will break off. It doesn't matter if you have a whole bag full of Vitadine nanomeds, that's going to hurt. Thankfully, we will have a little jetpack to slow our fall, but details of how the jetpack works have not yet been released. On a 4G planet, you might feel like you've eaten too many McThargoid burgers, as you'll weigh 320 kilograms or 700 pounds. You're unlikely to be able to move around much. Standing up will be extremely uncomfortable. Moving around will be hard and you might easily faint. Prolonged exposure to this sort of gravity might lead to heart failure. And attempting to throw a grenade will almost certainly lead to heart failure, as it thuds heavily to the ground a couple of metres away. Not many people would choose to live on a 4G planet. But that's nothing to a 10.77G planet. On one of these bad boys, you'll weigh an incredible 861 kilograms, or 1,885 pounds. That's the better part of a tonne, whatever sort of measuring system you use. You can survive in a pressure suit in a pilot's chair, but any attempt to move around will probably be fatal. Getting up and walking around will not be an option. Now let's head out into space. Is there gravity in space? Of course there is. Every starport and every outpost in the galaxy is subject to gravity. That's why they're orbiting a planet, not flying off into the distance. The reason commanders inside an outpost feel weightless is because the whole thing is in freefall towards the planet. The outpost and the commander inside it are not resisting the pull of gravity. The genius of a stable orbit is that while the outpost and everything in it is continually falling towards the planet, it's also travelling sideways, very fast indeed, so that no matter how long and how far it falls, it keeps missing the planet. And it keeps orbiting. But whether we experience something that feels like gravity depends on the type of space station we're in. Coriolis Orbis and Acellus starports spin on a central axis. This acts as a centrifuge, meaning that everything in the station will gradually drift away from the axis of spin towards the curving outer wall. The further from the axis you get, the greater the effect. So, on the landing pads in the docking area, you'd experience perhaps one-tenth of a G, making lifting heavy cargo canisters really easy, except, of course, you don't need to do that because your ship loads its cargo instantly and automatically when you click a button. The smaller 2km rings on some Orbis and Acellus stations will simulate perhaps half a G, which is a pleasant compromise. The larger 4km habitation rings on more opulent Orbis starports give you the full 1G and feel just like Earth, apart from the slight lean into the spin and the starfield flashing around in circles above your head. The noob hammers on some Coriolis starports deliver a higher gravity still, meaning that they're equipment pods, not for habitation. Of course, the social area on these starports 
is in the docking bay. And what's more, it's high up towards the axis of spin, so the perceived gravity in these areas will be minimal. Mag boots might be needed if you're not to accidentally bounce into the air. And not spilling your drink will be quite an art form. Outposts, unlike starports, do not spin on their axis. They have no centrifuge, and so completely lack the illusion of gravity. As with the social hubs in starports, there will be very little perceived gravity. In this case, none at all. Without assistance, you would float like the early astronauts in the early manned space platforms like the International Space Station. There would be no down. Any wall could be your floor, depending on personal preference. This is where mag boots come in. It's not yet clear whether all the surfaces will be metallic to allow you to walk on the walls with these boots, but you will at any rate be able to stick to one surface and not float off into the middle of the room, where you would become stranded unless you were able to propel yourself back to a surface by blowing out very hard. But just having mag boots won't solve all the problems. Your glass of Centauri Megagin won't be wearing mag boots, and nor will the gin in the glass. Sippy cups with a bit of Velcro on the bottom is probably the best solution, and in fact Velcro on everything that isn't screwed down is likely to be pretty much essential. Will we be able to kick off our mag boots and go for a float across the room? Or will that be considered the sort of breach of etiquette that would get you instantly ejected from airlock 3 without a remlock? We don't know. If we're to sleep on an outpost in the way that Commander Fosdyke imagines, in a bed with a blanket, we'll need magnetic pyjamas and ties to hold the blanket in place. The reality of Cubicle 3, we're sorry to have to report, will be horrific in many orientations all at once. Of course, this applies to our ships as well. We're used to flying them in space and still thinking our pilot seat is screwed to the floor. When we stand up, down is still towards the pilot seat. It's only the chair straps or the mag boots that stop us floating up to the ceiling. How does that coffee machine work? The answer is that you don't use it unless you're doctored to starport or landed on a planet. Not unless you want a globe of hot coffee chasing you around the cockpit, at any rate. In zero-g outposts and in your cockpit, you can, of course, suck nutrition from a bag straight into your mouth. It's not elegant, but it gives you the nutrition you need without any mess. The Hutton Orbital Catering Department probably has something similar in mind for us when we land there. But what about Italian desserts, made from frozen dairy produce, egg yolks and sugar, and eaten plain or flavoured with fruit? chocolate or vanilla. Can you consume that in zero-g? Can you eat it from a ball or from a sugar cone? No, you can't. In space, no one can eat ice cream. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we extemporise about gravity, so you don't have to. Thank you.
you, Commander Wotherspoon. We watch him depart into the sunset, just before hearing taking heat damage, and he explodes in a colourful but tasteful display. Ahead of Flossie regaling us with the latest news about CGs, we've got the promised vidcast, celebrating the artwork created for the Fuel Rat's 100,000th rescue. So sit back and enjoy the video before everyone's favourite Fuel Rat herself brings us up to date. Greetings, Commander. This is Ovelia Song, and I'm your Fuel Rats Artists Collective curator for today. The Fuel Rats have just crossed the incredible number of 100,000 rescues. Well, that's really an incredible number. That's 100,000 elite dangerous commanders who are saved from a death in the cold light of the stars. To celebrate this unique event, the Fuel Rats Artists Collective made a poster contest down in 3306 to find the best poster for this event. Welcome to enjoy the poster collection which 13 commanders contributed to the poster contest. You may also watch and download all these posters through the Fuel Red Artists Collective website at fuelredart.org. And here we go with the submissions. The winner is Osamayor with Fuel to the People. Incredible work. Nexus Pisar and Farseer, who took her beautiful little rat to ride on a fuel limpet. Great! The beautiful blue rat python by Commander Deckenfire. Microtees, the close follow-up with the Micro T advertisement poster. Aldarin 3-2 Alpha has decided to print some beautiful rat money. And Orange Phoenix is offering this colorful 100,000 rescues poster for us. Next one, Joshi Washi Wu lights up the stars for the fuel rats. Thank you, Commander. Mike Levens with a beautiful planet vista for the fuel rats. And Geek Syro is calling for the Golden Gas Tour in 3307. Fellow Red Moneyboy with this beautiful drawing of a fuel red poster. It does have a certain special, doesn't it? Dragonfire is next with this beautiful code of 100,000 rescues. And a spontaneous, fast, yet interesting work by Ron. And last but not least, Theo went with a pirate flag fuel red's poster. Sitting on the red board have been Sully Badger, founder of the Fuel Rats himself, Aitken, Red Tail Storyteller, Flossie, our senior rat, Florinus, winner of the last Red Art Contest in 3304, Alec Turner, you might know him from the forums, very active event organizer, news handler in these forums, Orange Sheets, a real red veteran, and myself, Uvelius, the curator of the Fuel Rats Artist Collective. Frontier offered a real-world hotest for the first prize, and second and third have received community packs. I hope you enjoyed, commanders. Red right on! And don't forget to call the fuel rats whenever you run out of fuel. This was Ovelia Song for the Fuel Rats Artists Collective and the 100,000 rescue of the fuel rats. Fly safe and remember KGB foe. See you in the Black Commander.
here with this week's Community Goals News. Sirius Corporation has received more data than Utopia and will therefore host the Galactic Summit. Both organisations propose to organise a diplomatic conference for the Alliance, Empire and Federation after calling on the Galactic Community to gather data that would support security operations. Many pilots handed in anomalous book scan data, atypical disrupted wake echoes, exceptional stranded emission data and unusual encrypted files. All three superpowers governments confirmed that, due to its success in preparing effective security systems, they will accept serious cooperation as the neutral territory for the conference. CEO Lee Yong-Rui made this statement, this announcement. Thank you to all the independent pilots who supported us. Sirius will now begin work preparing for the first galactic summit, which we hope will increase peace and prosperity across the galaxy. Pilots who delivered to Sirius Corporation can collect their rewards from Goldstein Port in the Lembava system. Sim Guru Pranav Antal expressed his appointments but confirmed that all who contributed to Utopia's initiative will be rewarded at Tanner Settlement in the Plevnik system. Sirius Corporation has st- stated that the Galactic Summit is provisionally scheduled to take place over a three-week period in late February and early March. No new CGs today due to the uh, Planet Law event starting today. Elite Dangerous tweeted, an unusual vessel is in need of help. The Pilots Federation has issued an alert to track a Mayday signal in the Swoils XXD C1-30 system. Check out Galnet to find out how you can aid the investigation. On Galnet, it said an, an independent vessel has detected a fragment of a mysterious fe- message coming from an unexplored region of space. Commander Elsa Solomon was travelling through Swoy's XXD C-130 system when her ship's communications array picked up a faint transmission. The message was as follows. This is an emergency broadcast on all frequencies from Serene Harbour. We are... The transmission ended abruptly and did not resume. The signal did not contain any indication data or indications as to its origin. Sorry, the signal did not contain any identification data or indications as to its origin. Commander Solomon gave more details to Vox Galactica. The message appeared in my comms panel as text and an electronically generated voice. I wasn't able to determine the source, only that it was broadcast within 80 light years of that system. My schedule was tight so I couldn't spend long tracking it. I have no idea if Serene Harbour is a starport, a settlement or even a megaship, but this is obviously a mayday signal. Someone somewhere is in serious trouble. I've asked the Pilots Federation to share the information in case any of my fellow commanders can help. To help triangulate the source, 
There is a call out to any other ships that were in the area at the time, which may have received a similar broadcast. However, no responses had yet been received. A later message from Galnet says that an encrypted message seems to provide planetary coordinates related to the mystery signal from Serene Harbour. The message was received by the Fireless Federation as follows. Welcome to Serene Harbour, 56.4 latitude, 8.3 longitude, theta 7. Although this pinpoints a geographical area on a planetary surface, the astronomical location of this body remains a mystery. It is unclear whether Theta 7 refers to a nutritional map coordinates or some kind of some kind, or is a code phrase intended for unknown recipients. Little is known about the original distress call other than its brief content. This is an emergency broadcast on all frequencies from Serene Harbour, we are. And that's it for this week's CG News. Flossie told you what to do. <coughs> Thank you, Flossie. I imagine that we'll be getting updates on that last story over the next few hours and days. And if anything breaks during the rest of the show, we'll let you know. OK, all of that waffle means that the Tech Monkey should have had enough time to set up the next introduction as we go over to the Apology Officer for the sports results. Welcome to the Hutton Sports Report. The Hutton Sports Report is sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with a free pair of ruby red slippers in case you need to get home in a hurry. This week we have the I Don't Think We're in Hutton Anymore Total Marathon, the Who Will Give Me 50 Credits for a Flying Monkey Relay, the Collect One Brain, One Heart and One Portion of Courage Side Quest Extravaganza, the I Had Her In Custody But Then It Rained And She Melted, Cup Winners' Cup, the Drop a House in Your Enemies Challenge, and the How Many Munchkins Can You Fit in a Holler Guinness Galaxy Record. In the I Don't Think We're in Hutton Anymore total, marathon, the marathon was narrowly, narrowly won by Zabadian this week. In the Who Will Give Me 50 Credits for a Flying Monkey Relay, delivered a clear win for Light 027. The Collect One Brain, One Heart and One Portion of Courage sidequest extravaganza ended in a comprehensive victory for Commander Chicks. The I Had Her In Custody, But Then It Rained and She Melted, Cup Winners Cup, well, it's another runaway victory for Alex Zuno. The Drop A House In Your Enemies Challenge was a close one this week, with Sky edging ahead of Bicarb to secure the win. How many munchkins can you fit in the hauler? Guinness Galaxy record was taken by newcomer Akura Yakin. And so we move on to the classified results. Remember, the Emerald City counts as double, hot, hot air balloons are wild, and you will be disqualified if you hit the other players with yellow bricks. Zebedian, 64. The Real Shambo, 62. Light 027, 120. Iron Beagle, 76. Chicks, 1015. Carpabas, 383. Alex Zuno, 1337. 
Attic 2, 160. Sky, 238. Bicarb, 224. Akura Yakin, 4165. Ace McCool, 557. Thurzo Thistle, 3. Inverurie Local Works, 1. Gala Fairy Dean Rovers, 0. Strathbungo Spartans, 300. Hackhole Caledonian Thistle, 3. Wolf 25 Juniors, 0. We actually have a decal to award this week and it goes to Commander Akura Yakin. Please email itookpart at huttonorbital.com and arrange to collect your Hutton decal kit, which this week consists of all the crayons that Lou hasn't eaten, which isn't many, mainly the green ones because they look with edges, and the painting by numbers decal template. You just have to use green for all of the numbers. The mass hut and run seems to have brought the commanders out in their numbers with 26 hut and runs in the last seven days, including Commander Hardy, who has shaved a second off of the 1 hour 22 minutes and 21 seconds record held by Commander Overlight, who had taken it from him about one week earlier. This is the third time Commander Hardy has taken the record by one second. So congratulations to Hardy. Can you beat Hardy's time? Can you do the hut and run in 45 minutes like all of those forum pundits claim? Then go to hot.forthemug.com and download or sign up for the hut and helper. Let's face it, anything has to be better than travelling to the hut to Hutton in a Red Planet taxi service hauler. Well, that's it from me. Back to Studio 5. Thank you, Mia. It's nice to hear a new name for a change. Surely the regulars must be bored by now, or else their man will be calling them in for their tea. Anyway, it's time for the woman with no fear in her eyes, no blood in her veins, and the heart and stomach of a concrete elephant. It's Amelia Hawke in this week's Galnet Food Digest. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest. I try the galaxy's most rare and dangerous foods, so you don't have to. Not often that the Galnet Food Digest is asked to obtain a special permit to enter a system selling rare goods. Trade in rare items is a mainstay of the economy of many locations, and the income they provide is vital to not only the local population but also the preservation of sometimes endangered foods, animals or habitats. Our rare this week is technically classified as a medicine though it isn't well regulated and in fact, in some systems, is used as a food additive. After a week or so of negotiation, we've been able to obtain our permit and have headed to the Terra Mater system, literally translated as Mother Earth. Discovered by predecessors of the Brotherhood of Terra Mater, the first planet in the system is as close to Earth itself as you could possibly ask for. Mass, radius, atmosphere, day-night cycle, and indeed seasons. Convergent evolution means that the life that evolved on the planet closely resembles that of Earth, and even without settlers bringing in non-indigenous plants and animals, 
you'd be forgiven for thinking that you were back in the old home of humanity, albeit long before industrialization. It's a paradise, and despite their foibles, the Brotherhood do a fantastic job of preserving it. The Terramator blood bores, sold as an over-the-counter pick-me-up for vast sums of money, are harvested and produced planetside, with the export product being sold at Great Mines Station in orbit. Great Mines is the corporation name and brand name under which the blood bores are sold, and funded the station in its entirety from the profits from their sales. And yes, that's a number eight in the middle of their name, just one of the local eccentricities. The blood bores themselves sound frightening, but are made up from a simple plant extract and can be bought as a lozenge you dissolve under the tongue, a patch you wear on your arm, or a powder you can sprinkle on your favorite food. Eaten, it has a pleasant herby taste to it, and it, it could I could see this sprinkled on everything from my favorite pizza to a warming winter soup. It can even be made into a tea. It's not the flavor that appeals to most people, however. Terramator blood bores have a side effect that has led to their prohibition for everything from professional sports people to scholars and students throughout the galaxy. They're a natural performance enhancer. One dose of this on your pasta and you're able to exert yourself well beyond the normal limits of human endurance. A 10 kilometer run before breakfast, uphill, in the dead of winter, wearing heavy clothing. A terramator blood bore lozenge when you wake up and you'll tackle that without even blinking. Climbing a volcano in a kilt in sub-zero temperatures with a ridiculously heavy backpack. A terramator blood jelly baby and you'll stride up it like you're having a walk in the park. Studying for your final exams. Getting just one more jump, then another, then another out of your exploration trip. Bloodbore tea and you're home and dry, with time to spare. Your shirts ironed and 50 press ups for good measure. A night's gaming in VR, one bloodbore patch, and you'll make it to Monday night without even realizing. The secret to this product lies in the planet below. There's one big difference between Terramator and good old Mother Earth that the locals don't tend to advertise. The apex predator here isn't a mammal or a reptile. It isn't some ferocious bird or monstrous sea creature. It's a plant. In fact, it's not a plant, it's most of them. Evolution took a wrong turn somewhere, where Darwin bemoaned his abominable mystery regarding the evolution of flowering plants on planet Earth. He'd be running in sheer terror from the abomination that is the plant life on Terra Mater. We often think of plants as slow, slow to grow, slow to flower with the seasons. We used to think of zombies as slow, shambling, lurching, and laughably avoidable in B-movie horrors. That was until 28 Days Later was released. Those zombies scream, run, and hunt you down. That is day-to-day -day life on Terra Mater. Giant, highly mobile, incredibly fast and hungry plant life, which preys on the native animals. 
toothed traps wait around every corner to snap you up. Giant pitcher plants with tendrils that will drag you to your doom, drown you and digest you. Vines that will snatch and dismember passing life. Sea kelp that will grab whole ships, smashing them into kindling and then drag sailors to their doom like the Kraken of legend. Vegans? Well, they exist on Terra Mater, but only because their kale strangled them in their sleep. Where gardening on Earth is a quiet pastime for those in their middle years to enjoy a bit of peace in the outdoors. On Terra Mater, it is the most dangerous job there is. Chainmail gloves, full body armor, weapons that wouldn't look out of place on the battlefield. Whether it's fending off the begonias with a spear, taking a flamethrower to wild roses, or rounding up voracious pansies into their pens at night. Being a horticulturist here is a frightening prospect. The rarity of the blood boars, mainly as it's just so darned hard to harvest without, without being chased down by a snapdragon and devoured whole. These killer plants excrete the very substance that gives you the endurance, though, whether though they're carnivorous appetite or some odd chemical imbalance. The danger, as listed on the bottle, may cause hemorrhaging and weight loss. I can see their point. Already today, I've gone way beyond what my body should endure. I've painted four rooms, moved the furniture single-handedly, pushed two cargo canisters across the docking bay, arm-wrestled a customs officer who has tree trunks for limbs, and eaten four breakfasts. But uh, the, the, the effects are wearing off, and uh, I think I'm broken. There are reasons that human beings have limits, and I suspect I've exceeded my safety specs by quite some margin already. I'm Amelia Hawk, reporting for the Galnet Food Digest, and I've just fought off a vicious-looking aspidistra with a kitchen knife. I've come under attack by plant life, so you don't have to. Thank you very much, Amelia. Yeah, I mean, it, it, human beings do have limits. We, we do have like a, a level beyond which we're not supposed to go, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And this stuff encourages you to go way beyond it. I mean, it doesn't give you any more strength, does it? It doesn't give you any more, uh, you know what I mean, um, zip and whatever else. It just makes you feel like you can do more. That's yes. the problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not heavy. I'll lift that. Oh, just bust me <laughs> arm, you know. Like a very oh. bad drinking buddy. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know. Um, we have limits for a reason, but th th this stuff is, is sort of sort of dangerous for, for those reasons, that you're going to end up doing something you're going to really, really regret later, like, like, I don't know, bringing a plant called Audrey into the studio and letting it loose in the green room. Flossy. <laughs> 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 I named that. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, the dangers you you go to on these things. I mean, that, that planet. I mean, it looks like a paradise, doesn't it? I mean, to Terra Mater, it sounds beautiful. Mother Earth, it, it's locked away, so it's not ruined by by industrialization and you know building on everything. But you really wouldn't want to go on holiday there, would you? Oh no, not at all. Oh God, no. I mean, it, you know, you, you go to the beach, you're sitting there under the palm trees, and then one of the palm trees lobs a coconut at you, and then you know drags you into uh, into a the sea somewhere to drown you and then eat you. Now, that doesn't sound very fun for a holiday at all. Definitely not, God, no. I mean, giving a bunch of flowers to somebody on that planet has got to be the worst insult you can ever they'll, give. They'll them. have your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm? yeah. Oh, where's my arm gone? Oh, that'd be the roses I bought you. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's amazing because I think that planet was probably the inspiration for Harry Harrison's series, Death World. He'd probably come and really? copied it from you. Yeah. Lots no, of I've, I've, I've never, intelligent I've, I've, plants I've, trying to kill you. No, I've never never come across that one. I was thinking more about the start of the show and a bit of your John Wyndham's, you know, where did the, the Triffids come from? Was that ever explored in the book? Or did they just randomly turn up? No, they they, they came from space. They came from yeah, space. It was just space. Space maybe they, just came, yeah. they could have come they, from Terra Mater, maybe. I, I believe they didn't go to the Isle of Wight. Is that that was my memory of it? I think they were probably well, that it probably means is that the Triffids' natural enemy is probably the red squirrel. Well, there you go. The leaps of imagination we have here on the, the show. Yes. Now, um, we, we we were going to go to, across the green room, but but then it looks like the plant ate everybody. It's supposed to be a green room week. Um, we know we're running late, and the green room feed sort of broke, and the radio feed sort of broke as well, but we're hammering it back into shape. Um, there are three people in the green room. Should we should we just have a quick say hello? Yes, um, let's, let's, just so let's we pop in and say Should we pop in there, or should we drag them here to make Ventura's no, life? No, no, no. Three of them. Oh well, why should why should he go it easily? Go on, no. Nor- Norman, are, are you are you okay for us to quickly pop up there, say hi to everybody, and then Scarpa? Sure, whatever you want. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Well, clear. open the door. A uh, flossy. Can you have the flamethrower ready in case you know Audrey's just getting a bit vicious? <laughs> but let, let, let's all pop up to the green room. So, somebody grab chicks on the way past as well. And and here we go. That's okay. I think we've got Norman back now. We we had a bit of a swapsies there. He was he was a bit scared by the carnivorous plant. But uh, he- hello, the green room. Obviously, we've said hello to each other. But um, there are a few members of the green room in here that haven't been eaten by by Audrey, the vicious killer plant. Um, right, who have we got? One, two, three, four. Five, yeah, yeah. Oh no, is we got two? Apology Somebody's just run away. Yeah, <laughs> no, we got we got two of them in here. So uh, should we say, Flossy, you say hi to one of them, and we'll say Chicks can say hi to the other one if you can spot them in the list. <laughs> yeah, Flossie, you take our first guest this evening. Right, the first guest is Aidan. Uh, what sort of time have you had recently? Uh, redacted, and then there's redacted and some redacted. But apart from that, it's oh, all fine. Right. <laughs> oh, good, right. <laughs> and it's all, uh, nothing else? Everything's redacted? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, the redacted has been redacted, so I can so I can redact, and I can neither confirm nor deny the redact. <laughs> so, for the mug. I guess it's for the mug then. For the mug. Thank you. And Commander Taran, are you there, Taran? Good afternoon. How are you today? Oh, I've forgotten. You're in a funny time zone. You're on the west coast of uh, Canada. Ah, uh, thank you so much for not yes, saying the uh, place nor no self. Yeah, that that place. <laughs> It's good. I'm glad we have the show this time of day because he's still. There's a good chance of him still being awake. <laughs> well, geez, you fall asleep once, I tell you. <laughs> are you are you in the British British Columbia? That's correct. I am in British Columbia. Very good. And uh, you had a good week. 
Uh, compared to the last several, yeah, it's actually been a good week. So it's it's got like Groundhog Week. Uh, is that coming up? <laughs> Every week is the same. Um, have you been doing much in game? Uh, you just 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 working on some bounties in Barnard Star and some Ooh, other good. stuff. I may yet see you there if our time zones overlap at some point. Oh yeah, well yeah. It was good to see you at the Mass Hut and Run. Oh, I'm glad I managed to get on for a few minutes there and do a run at least. A few minutes, at least an hour and 20, I would imagine. Ah, uh, hour 25 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, have you, have you logged a, a, a decent time on the uh, on the charts yet? I have an hour and 24 minutes and change. It's, it's, I'm, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's a proper laid-back Hutton kind of time, that one. I mean, did you have a, a wing beacon active to land, or did you do it entirely by, by instrument and by eye? Well, well, I was late to the party, so it was me, myself, and I, and uh, so I did not have a wing beacon. <laughs> well, in which case, that's a very respectable time with, with no wing beacon. I say that because my, my time was also set with no, no, no wing beacon as well. Where are you? Have you beaten me? Hang on a second. Oh, I'm just checking. Yeah, I, no, I've I, got... know someone, I know someone who beat you, David. Shh. shh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's usually the other half when I've been naughty. We, took, we <clears> talked <throat> about that on the night, didn't we? Uh, go on, fess up. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Well, do, do, who, who's been beating me? Congratulations, Amelia. Dead, dead meat has been just... <laughs> Hang on, but did Amelia been... also do it with no wing beacon? I'm, I'm talking about fast no wing beacon runs. Like, like Any excuse. Here. <laughs> yes. I didn't have any friends. <laughs> but yes, Amelia, you've just beaten me, haven't you? It was by, by 12 seconds, 13 seconds you're faster than me. I'm um, to do this right. again. Yeah, dead, dead meat's been itching to rub it in for, for <laughs> like a week now. Well, we didn't, we didn't have a Tuesday, so... Yeah, so uh, and Tara, yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some very, very good times in there. I mean, a lot of people up under the one hour twenty two minutes now. T oh, Eleven people under the one hour twenty two minute mark. One hour yep. twenty two minute fifty nine by Antarius Fusion is the the slowest in the one twenty twos, and obviously the fastest is still Hardy. But I think Overlight's planning a, a another attempt at beating the record. But uh, no, Tyron, you're you're in the same camp as me. You didn't have any mates on the evening, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, racked up a very respectable solo effort but um other oh yeah that, I, was, um, I was quite happy with it so oh yeah it's, it's, no that's no, i mean you're in, you're in the first page but uh, and, and dead meat you're you're slightly faster than amelia only only slightly yeah yeah a couple it, it of was seconds, a really good a couple of seconds yeah we will be ho we will be doing it again I know, just oh, I'd, like, I'd like to say vehicles. amelia amelia was in a dolphin which is looks great when it's coming into the station <laughs> it was good and they, they're so manoeuvrable. I love dolphins. Oh, I, st I still need to try mine in the, uh, the, yeah. the Speed Eagle, the Spiegel. You've got to remember, I'm used to driving a Type 9, so anything is <laughs> anything is manoeuvrable when, in comparison. <laughs> so, Python's uh, still manoeuvrable when you jump from a Type 9. Well, Taran and uh, Aiden, obviously Aiden is completely redacted, but Taran, do you have anything else to add for our very short green room? I, th I think uh, Audrey's eaten all the rest of the green room inhabitants, which is uh, makes for a nice short green room this evening. Do you have anything else to add to? No, it's just nice to be actually be all listening live again for a little while. So. Oh, it's lovely to have you along on the show as well. Okay, well, if we've got um, nobody else sneaking in, I don't think we have, do we? Nope. Um, okay, so, yeah, everybody... Yeah, get get back to your trucking, take part in the events that Flossie told you to do, um, go and find out what these mysteries are. Uh, if not, go and blow things up with Taryn and with Chicks over in Barnard Star. Other than that, it remains for us. What do we normally say at this point during the show? For the mug! For the mug! For the mug! And...
Good night. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off? <laughs>